We're looking at Lukutisiches volume 23, the Sikh of Masay. The portion of Masay begins with the words, These are the journeys of the children of Israel upon leaving Egypt. And it then recounts all the 42 journeys that they took, all the 42 stops that they took from the Exodus until now over the past 40 years. And then I've asked a simple question. Why do we refer to them as journeys? We should refer to them as encampments. You're listing 42 places. That means 42 encampments. 42 spaces of visitation, not 42 journeys. A plain example would be somebody comes up from a trip to Europe. I say, tell me about your trip. Where were you? We went to Brussels. We went to London. We, we, we went to Paris. He's not telling you about his trips. He's telling you about his destinations. We visited Brussels. We visited London. We visited Paris. Not we journeyed London. We journeyed. It's not a list of journeys. The journeys are the flight numbers that you took in between. That's boring. That's the same thing. It's a flight, another flight, another flight. Obviously, from A to B, you got to have a journey. But what I'm telling you about, if I'm giving you a list of my places and my destinations, my places of visitation, my encampments, that's what's interesting. When the Torah lists all these places, those are the encampments and not the journeys. The journeys are what happened in between these places. It's a very practical question. You might say it's a clutch question. What the Nebuchadnezzar sometimes calls a simple, plain question, but it begs an explanation. So the Rebbe says that the, perhaps it can be answered based on a Rashi earlier, that the last line of the book of Shemos of Exodus finishes off that the heavenly cloud hovered over them in the presence of all the eyes of the children of Israel, and all the journeys. That's the end of the whole portion of Shemos. By the way, we see that the word journeys is used over and over. Never does the Torah really speak about their encampments. It speaks about them journeying and encamping as, as a verb. But as a noun, it speaks about their journeys in our portion, and it's the name of the whole portion, and in the end of Shemos and in other places. It speaks about their trips as journeys. It should really speak about it as encounters. So that bothers Rashi there, apparently, says the Rebbe. Take a look at the last Rashi's in the book of Shemos, and Rashi says an encampment is also okay to be referred to as a journey because it's from there that you journey on. Good enough answer. There were people in my class today as I taught this to our local community who said, yeah, well, this is semantics. You call a journey, take the example of the guy who went to Europe. One person will say, I'm telling you my different places where I visited. The other will say, I'll tell you my trips. We took a trip to London, we took a trip here. It's the same difference because a trip leads up to a visit and vice versa. So the Torah chose to use the word uh, journeys. It's not a problem. That's the Rebbe's straightforward answer based on a Rashi. But the Rebbe digs further. But, but, but why did the Torah make that choice? You're right that journeys and encampments are interchangeable. And journeys include encampments and vice versa. But why highlight the less important and thereby also refer to the more important? What's the purpose? Is it the journey or the encampments? The trip? or the places that I'm actually visiting. Clearly, it's the encampments. The purpose and the goal should be the thing that we talk about. We visited A, we visited B, we visited C. Those are encampments. So if you have a choice, 
of choosing one term, the term that should be used is the main term. We had encampments, we had destinations, which clearly included trips to those destinations. Why do we highlight the less important, the means rather than the ends? And we talk about journeys rather than destinations. So the Rebbe is sort of pushing back and saying, but why does Rashi say that? So the Rebbe gives a suggested answer. Let me bring it up on the screen so we see the flow. So here we have the Rebbe's question, why journeys? It should say encampments. The proposed answer number one is encampments, also referred to as journeys. It's a quote from Rashi at the end of Shemos, because from there you journey further. But since encampment is the purpose, why say journeys and also meet encampments? Do it the other way around. So proposed answer number two is sort of an overlay on one. Well, if we have a choice to do it this way, do it that way. We're choosing to do it that way, and I'll tell you why. Because in the end, the journey is really to bring them to the promised land. The journey wasn't to bring them to Ramses or to Sukkos or to or to Har Sinai or to whatever. The journey was really, the, there was a goal. And the goal is the thing that should be highlighted, correct. The goal isn't the 42 encampments. The goal is the ultimate to go to the Holy Land. And therefore, it makes sense to refer to the encampments as journey, because really, this is really a journey. This is really one long trip. The example I would give here is if somebody is moving from New York to, to Melbourne, not they're taking a vacation to Europe, where the goal are the destinations that you visit. Rather, they're moving to Australia. But to move to Melbourne, they, they, they spend a few days in, 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 in California, spend a few days in Europe, a few days in Asia, and then they come. Here, it's one big journey. They're going, their goal is to get to Australia because they're moving. That's a destination, except it's a very long trip and maybe they have some friends along the way. So, so that's making some stopovers. And then you can refer to the whole thing as one trip because really that's the goal. So this answers the Rebbe's earlier question. The Rebbe's question was, when you're giving something a name, focus on the purpose, not on the means to the purpose. And the purpose are the encampments not really, if you think about it deeper, for the purpose is the journey to the final destination. And therefore, it makes sense to use that term, journey. But then the Rebbe says that would be a, a satisfactory answer um, if it would say journey in singular. To use my example, it's correct to say, well, how is your trip to Australia? even though it took me a month and it was five different mini trips in the interim and vacations and whatever, but there's one trip to Australia because that's my focus. But if I say trips, I wouldn't say how are my trips to Australia? The Torah here uses it in plural, the journeys. The only thing that's pluralistic here are the encampments. The journeys are all the same. They're just another stretch, another lag of the trip to get me to my final destination. If you're talking plural, which are going to be the 42 listings. It's a whole lot of destinations. The only thing pluralistic, the only thing different about the 42 things, the only thing unique about each one is the location, not the fact that it's another leg in the same trip. And therefore that answer doesn't hold up either. So the Rebbe goes deeper. I want to just point out that my understanding is that on a shot level, on a literal level, this is not really a question. The Rebbe's answer is going to be according to Hasidus. And the literal answer, the answer is what Rashi said at the end of Pekudeh. 
the first answer that the Rebbe gave. That a journey and an encampment are interchangeable. And a journey also means an encampment and vice versa. And perhaps answer two makes that even better. Why did the Torah choose that? Well, because ultimately it's one long journey. But on the shot level, it's not a problem. On a literal level of Torah study, you don't have to split that here. But on a deeper level, you still ask yourself, if these two terms are interchangeable, why would the Torah use the term that's less important and highlight it and it becomes the name of the portion? And I said earlier, this is what's used as a, as a noun throughout Torah. The journeys of the Jewish people. That is even the famous uh, musical group called Journeys. Nobody has a musical group called Encampments because there isn't such a thing in Torah even though the word encampments, but they're not the noun. They're not the thing that's highlighted. What is highlighted are the journeys. Really? These 42 are journeys? They're not journeys, they're encampments. The journeys are what happened in between. So on a non-shot level, on a deeper level, there's got to be a reason why that's the case. And that's where the Rebbe pushes further in the Sikh. So here begins the explanation. The Rebbe opens up the explanation by introducing the fact that the Baal Shem Tov told us that these journeys really speak to the personal journey of each of us in life. We are each meant to go 42 steps, 42 madrigues, 42 levels of spiritual and moral growth throughout life. And the Vashante will explain how each of these represents a different thing. They're all steps in a positive direction. Rebbe cites an example, the Kivros Hataiba, the place where they, what's called the burial of temptation, because the literal, the historic meaning is because the people that overindulge in temptation of the food, they died from it coming out of their nostrils, what have you. On a spiritual level, it's a positive place. It's a place where you bury your, your, your overindulgence. It's a level, whatever calls it the level of Chachma, a level of a person's journey where they overcome the need for overindulgence in physical pleasures. And the same as all the 42 stops, each one represents another level personal growth, spiritual growth in our journey. That's why they're here, which by the way, makes sense why the Torah has to list them. Otherwise, why do we need to know? This is something that happened in the past. What's the relevance? Clearly, Hasidus teaches us each word in Torah has relevance to us, and the Bashemta presents this relevance, that this is really our journey, and we need to keep moving forward and to constantly grow. And there's 42 steps of more growth and more growth and more growth. Spirituality, morality, goodness, kindness, uh, refinement of our midos, our emotions, our character, refinement of our minds, refinement of our soul, what have you, of our animal soul, the whole journey. There's 42 of them. Parenthetically, sometimes in Hasidus, it's explained the number 42 because it's six times seven, right? It's the six primary emotions, the seventh being malchus, which is action. So it's six times seven, it's the, 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 because it's the seventh is the application, but how each one includes all the others. And that's why the number 42 becomes a significant number in Torah and in the journey. So now it starts to make some sense. If this is about my journey, this is about the mission where God says, I want you to grow. I use the word journey, growth. But the Rebbe still says, but, the, but, but why? If you're talking about personal growth, Personal growth means an encampment. I came to a plateau. I'm on the first level of my service of Hashem. Now I'm on the second level. It is still seemingly more appropriate to use the word encampment. Says the Rebbe, 
because each of these steps should be like a journey. You're right, it's 42 steps, it's 42 encampments, 42 stations of spiritual growth and development. However, the Torah chooses to say the word journeys and rather than encampments, because it's teaching us that how we should take that journey. The growth should not be slow, incremental, or what have you, it should be bigger. The Rebbe introduces in the Sikha here three levels of personal growth, of growth uh, from Torah sources. This is from Torah sources, even biblical sources, and certainly in Hasidus. We sometimes use the language of Amida, standing. We sometimes use the language of Halicha, walking, and we sometimes use the language of Nesia, which means journey, or it could be Diluk, which means to jump. And the Rebbe says, let's analyze this. Standing is a term with which we describe the Malach and the angels. Hashem says to the prophet, I will cause you to be walking amongst these that are standing representing the angels. The angels, we say that uh, by the Shabona Esra, we keep our feet together because we, we, we try to mimic the angels who have one foot, one leg. They don't walk, they just stand. Now, clearly angels don't have a physical body. What is the metaphor of the one foot? They don't really grow, but everything grows. Yeah, but at the end of the day, they are what they are. Just like the metaphor of animals. An animal has its nature. It's not going to exponentially grow. It's not going to change from kind to, to cruel or vice versa. It is what it is. However, every living thing grows. So yeah, it'll, if it's loving, it'll become more loving, I guess. If it's cruel, it might become more cruel. <laughs> Things grow, but it's incremental growth. You may not notice that growth. Similarly, the angels which are really the spiritual source of animals. And they're very lofty beings. They're gigantic animals. They have tremendous knowledge of Hashem. Very, very lofty. Some of them are, you know what I mean? The world of Bria and Yitzirah, very lofty and, and a tremendous love for Hashem. Gigantic. However, they're called standing because their growth is incremental. Think of it as the penguin. It's one-legged. It, 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 it wobbles. It can wiggle its way forward. It will grow. But it is what it is. The angel of water will remain a more an angel of love. The other angel of fear will remain an angel of fear. It, although it will progress in that area, but it won't change planes. And it won't grow in a way that is so obvious, that is exponential, that is with leap and bounds. It, it, it's step by step. And that is one way of growth. A lot of people do that. And that's okay. If you're not doing that at all, then you're, then you're probably going backwards. But then there is, in Judaism, we say, no, a person is a mahalach. A person can walk. We weren't created with one leg. We could have been. We created with two legs because Hashem wants us to have the ability to leave our space and go to a new space. To, to, to take on a new level of, of personal growth or growth in any area of life. This can be psychological. This can be spiritual. This can be financial. Let's walk. And that's perhaps what the Torah means by describing this growth as journeys, that these steps, yes, it's about the steps, it's about the encampments, the plateaus, the levels, but don't go from one to the other in, in, a, in a limited way, in an incremental way. Walk it. And then the Reb pushes further. It doesn't just say, Hiloch, it could have said that. Or another term that denotes obvious growth, but slow. 
Rather, it uses the word masois, and if you look at the sources, the Rebbe brings many sources, that word is used to say, I completely left that destination. Many examples the Rebbe uses where that word is, is used interchangeably, where I, I just left, I'm gone. That's, I'm not going back there, I'm in a new place. Think about the difference between walking, which is already real obvious growth, versus jumping. In walking, I have one foot on the ground, even as I'm walking forward in jumping, I'm lifting both feet off the ground. The example that, I, that I'm suggesting just to help us understand it, think about business. You know, you have a small business. I don't know, you're, you're running a small shop and you're making a living. And your accountant or business advisor will tell you, you have to always bring in new products. You have to have some growth, but that might be considered incremental growth. I'm standing still, but I'm just keeping up. I'm bringing in all the new products that come out. Otherwise, I'm going to be, become irrelevant but that's still standing still. I'm still in my same little shop. And then the business coach comes and says, listen, let's grow. And that might be that instead of the little shop, you know, I'm going to expand it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to double the store. I don't know. That's risky. That's like walking. I took a foot off the ground. You were very comfortable with both feet on the ground. I took a foot off the ground. You know, I risked some of my resources. I, I, I don't know if it'll work but I'm still keeping one foot on the ground. I haven't gone to a quantum leap. I haven't gone to a whole new space. And therefore that is a growth and it's real growth, but it's cautious growth. It's not totally letting go of the past. And that might be nice, but sometimes the coach will say, it's time to jump. It's time to look, it's time to just skip. You know, don't open a bigger store, open a chain of stores. Create an online presence that you're shipping all over the world. I don't know. It's a whole new quantum leap. And that's, says the Rebbe, and explains in the Sikh in great detail that it's not standing, it's walking. It's not even walking, it's jumping. And that's what the Torah wants by telling us, by referring to these encampments as journeys, because it's referring not just to the encampments historically, but to our personal encampments and, and plateaus and steps. But it doesn't use the term encampments and steps. It actually refers to them as journeys because each step should be a journey away from the prior. We should completely let go of the past and, 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 and leap ahead. I gave an example in business. Obviously, the main example should be in spirituality. It's one thing to say, you know, I'm going to grow from time to time. I'll start learning a little more Torah. I'll start doing more mitzvahs. It's another to, to take on new things. I'm giving this share in my community and people ask me, what's an example of, uh, of taking a leap? I said, you guys, three years ago, deciding to learn Lukut Tzichas is a leap. You're not 10 years old, you're 40, you're 50, you're 60, you're 70, and suddenly you're starting a whole new way of Torah study and you're engaged in it. That's a leap. Some of you then started learning Rambam for American Long Island Jew who never went to yeshiva to say, I'm going to learn Rambam a chapter a day. That's a leap. It's like, what? This is not even on the radar screen. This isn't like, like I'm studying a little more, you know? I'm going into a whole new thing. And of course, they have to keep on growing too. But that's what the Rebbe is telling us. That's a takeaway from this sicha. Shem wants us to keep progressing in life. In every area, but primarily in Yiddishkeit and spirituality and personal growth. And our hachlotas, our resolutions from time to time, our, our engagement in Torah and mitzvahs should be on a whole new level. We should think out of the box. And that's why the Torah uses the word Masay, and that's why it's such a big deal. It's a, it's a, it's a noun in Torah, in many places. It's a thing, a journey. We don't encamp. 
But the encampment should have a journey element to them, a journey flavor to them. And the Rebbe says that this lines up well with the Alter Rebbe's teaching in the Chutateta. The language of the text is, these are the journeys of the Jewish people as they left the land of Egypt. And the Alter Rebbe asks a very simple question. It's a different question than this thing is asking. Why does it say, plural, that these are the journeys when they left Egypt? Leaving Egypt was one journey from Ramses to Sukkot. The other journeys, they had already left Egypt. So what's this plural language? These are the journeys of the Jewish people leaving Egypt. And the Alter Rebbe explains that really they're constantly leaving Egypt if we interpret it in the, along the lines of Rebbe Shemte, that this is a person's personal growth, which is a lifelong endeavor. Each time we grow, it's a personal exodus. So not just when we're going from a space of Egypt, of constraint, where we're not yet serving Hashem, to the first step of serving Hashem, have we now had experience of Exodus? But even when we go from there to the next one and to the next one throughout life, I might be in a pretty good station in my Yiddish guide, but now that I'm taking a quantum leap to the next one, I should view the prior one as an Egypt, as a place of Mitzrayim, which is translated in Hasidus to mean Mitzrayim Mugvulim limitation. I'm going from good to great, as the language is. I should see it as going from, from nothing to great because. Because if I understand the Torah wants me to constantly leap and come to a new place, so the prior place, as good as it might have seemed yesterday, is a constraint. It's an Egypt. So the Rebbe is explaining this, the, the meaning, the essence of the word Masay, and basing it on the Baal and on the Alter Rebbe and the Kutateta. And obviously there's a tremendous takeaway in terms of our growth and our and it should always, we should always look to grow, not just to stand or walk, but even to leap. And then the Rebbe gives a second, a second point. And that is that there's another interpretation in the Hasidus and the Kutateta, that the 42 journeys represent the 42 stops throughout the Jewish exile, the Golos. And how is that related? Because the desert, which was treacherous, is symbolic, is a metaphoric of the entire exile of the Jewish people. And all of these places, this is the opposite interpretation from the Valshemtiv. Not each of them represents another spiritual growth, goodness, greatness, and accomplishment, but rather the opposite. Each is a place which, which we suffered or we angered Hashem or what have you. Uh, you, you might envision that Hashem is counting and it keeps a list of all the Yiddish Tzadis. You know what I mean? From, from Dachau to Auschwitz to, to, uh, to the Inquisitions to, to throughout history. It's a list of, of Golos. Golos, by and large, is just a sequence, a, a, a whole list of tsuris, a setbacks, and pitfalls all the way to Mashiach. And how is this hinted, says the Alter Rebbe? It's hinted because the Torah says that this is a journey from Egypt, which means constraint, all the way to the Holy Land, and Yard and Yereche Jericho, which is a hint to the Messianic era Mashiach. And how so? Because it says, Mashiach will judge by smell. And, and the final destination, the final leg in the journey in the Torah is called Jericho Yericho, which is the word smell. Parenthetically, why is Mashiach going to judge by smell? Because it's explained that there's going to be such a revelation of Hashem that we're not going to judge by hearsay, which is one level of judging where you, you gather information and you and you uh, 
you, you, you study a subject, but everyone understands it's not like seeing it. A higher level is, uh, which is perhaps the level of prophets or tzaddikim or, or level of each of us on our neshama level, on our faith level, where we sort of see Hashem. We know it is a fact, even if we can't explain it. So that's a higher level of connection to that truth of Hashem. But at the end of the day, both are in common. That it's us seeing Hashem as a separate thing. Whether I hear it, even if I see it, it's something outside of me. I might be sure about it, but it's still not me. It's internalized. I want you to argue that what I saw, maybe I'm not seeing right. Maybe it's Photoshop, I don't know. When you smell it means, we recognize that Mashiach will judge by smell, which by extension means that the whole Jewish nation and the whole world really will feel Hashem's presence, like smell. It, it, Hashem is the air that we breathe. Internalized, like a person who faints and you bring him back with smell. It's not an experience on the outside, hearing and gathering information, not even seeing, knowing for a fact that the information is correct. It's not information. It's the air that we breathe. That's what scent is. That's why it's such a powerful a, 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 a connection. It's a powerful experience. It's not even a connection to something else. It's internalizing yourself with something else. And that's the relationship of the world at the time of Mashiach with Elokus, with, God, with godliness. So that's the Al-Tarebbe's explanation in the Teda on these 42 journeys. It says that Rebbe now apply this in our, way, in our personal service. We each have our own journey. But the flip side of what we said earlier, the steps upwards. What about the pitfalls? What about the sins that we've done along the way? What about the mistakes? What about the things in life that we wish we could undo? They too are called journeys. Even if they seem like a step backwards or many step backwards, ultimately they're a step forward. Every step backwards, even if it's a negative or even if it's by choice, a sin, it brings us to tshuva. Tshuva doesn't just bring you back to where you would have been without the sin. It's like a slingshot. The example I give to people is I say, you know, if your marriage is tested, and I like to tell people that I don't believe a marriage really becomes a real marriage until it's tested in a serious way. And why? Because it hasn't been tested. We don't know. Marriage represents an unconditional relationship. We don't know if it's unconditional. It hasn't been tested. The conditions have been good. If it's really tested, and it's perhaps stretching the rubber band, and it's about to, 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 to tear apart, God forbid, and you overcome it, that represents that this is unbreakable. This is unconditional. This is real. And that's the power of tshuva with us and Hashem. The person made mistakes, setbacks, what have you, and they bounce back. It's a journey. It's a plus. It's a step forward. This is an extremely powerful lesson to all of us in our, in our lives. We all have things in life in our past which we wish we could undo. And we look back and we say, well, why did I have to do that? Or why did I waste all those years in a relationship that was meaningless? And then I had to start over and I just wasted 10 or 20 good years. Did all that in business areas, which were a mistake or, or personal areas, which were a mistake or spiritual learnings, whatever it is, detours in life that if I can replay the tape, I would have just cut out that piece and saved myself five or 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 years or more. Eh, there was a waste. Says Torah, no. Says that I've been to Sikha, no. I like to present it that the, in the book, in your book, Torah is your book. It's got all 42 journeys. Every single step of your life, the good and the bad and the ugly, is written in the book. It's part of who you are. It's part of who you are today by virtue of all the experiences, good and bad and, 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 and indifferent, of the past, including that which happened to us by destiny or by our choices, Good and bad, they're all part of the journey. No card could be skipped. At the end of the day, in hindsight, the Rebbe maintains there are no accidents, including our own sins. 
or our own mistakes. In hindsight, there are no accidents. Clearly, moving forward, we should try to make the right decisions. But in hindsight, it was all meant to be. It's all part of our journey. It's written in our book, namely the Torah. And that's why the Torah recounts all the 42 steps, even though they exist in the Torah before. If you go through the whole Chumash slowly, you can find the 42, pretty much. They're relisted here to tell every Jew, don't look back. You are who you are today because of the 10 years that you wasted in that endeavor and the other five years and the other experiences that you wish you could undo. It's all part of the journeys. And the Rebbe explains this on a personal level and also on a on the macro and the micro, the Jewish people as a whole. And that's why we read this portion in the three weeks to bring home the message that uh, the three weeks, which nominally we're crying over the past, but not really. We are praying and being excited and positive and filled with light and positivity, almost joy for the future, for Mashiach, because we know at the end of the day, the past is only part of the future. It's all part, it's all journeys in the positive leading up to Mashiach. I want to just share briefly that there's a, a beautiful Vartan Chassidism, um, also from the Alter Rebbe, that the Rebbe highlights elsewhere. That um, and, and why am I mentioning it? Because it's easy, it'll help us to remember the takeaway of this secret. First of all, to recap, the takeaway of the secret is two things. Number one, the 42 journeys in the positive as we grow, we should look for leaping growth, not just incremental growth. We should try to make new resolutions that are we never expected we would do. We should try to go out of the box from time to time, if possible. And the second thing is that also the negative, the setbacks, the mistakes, the sins, the tragedies, even God forbid, of life, to embrace them and know that they are part of our journey and they are really part of what's propelling us forward. In psychological terms, they would say today, post-traumatic growth. They're all journeys. So to remember that latter point, I'm sharing with you this from Chassidus, that um, in today's portion also, Masay, it's going to tell us something else that involves the number 42, namely the 42 cities of refuge. Now, wait a minute, there aren't there six cities of refuge? Yes. But then the Torah says, in addition to the main cities of six cities of refuge scattered throughout Israel, um, there were 42 additional. These were the um, Levite, the Levim's suburban areas, which were outside the cities, a total of 42 additional cities of refuge. And, uh, and the Torah talks about it. So Hasidus explains, in our daily life, a city of refuge is a place to run away from sin. Sin is like, what is a city of refuge to protect? The manslaughter, the person who, who took a life inadvertently. Whenever we sin, it's like taking a life. We're taking our neshama away from its source, from Hashem. We're doing it inadvertently because the neshama essentially doesn't want to sin. So we have to go to the city of refuge. How to protect yourself from sin? How to overcome it? City of refuge. So the Rebbe explains, the Rebbe explains in, in Chassidus, that uh, this is uh, the six cities of the six words of the Shema. Shema Yisrael Hashem Hashem Echad. Which also represents the six constant mitzvahs. Most mitzvahs are not constant, except for six. Faith and love of Hashem, fear of Hashem, etc. And those are the things that keep us in line and hopefully keep us in a city of refuge. But then we go to Bahafta. Shema has six words. Bahafta has 42 words. Hinting to 42 additional cities of refuge. In this context, what does this mean? That if I embrace the six cities of refuge, the six constant mitzvahs, 
or the theme of Shema Yisrael, Hashem Melkin, Hashem Echad, that Hashem is everything, and therefore everything is the divine providence, Hashkach this. So then in the whole Vihafta, the whole 42, in all my steps of life, the good, the bad, the painful, the pleasurable, the God forbid, tragic, the mitzvahs, the sins, I see in the whole 42 an, a refuge. Because it all becomes positive. It all becomes part of the journey to bring us to our own personal redemption and a mitzvah shem to the collective redemption.